Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God. I trust him, for he will rescue me from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near you, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on the stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras and will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them, and I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Psalms 91, it's a, a powerful message of this goodness of God, but for me, I need to be open and vulnerable with you. I've been a Christian for 13 years, going on 14. I grew up with a knowledge of God. I knew all about God and who this Father was. But it's only been in the last year and even in the last months that I've slowly been able to open up my vulnerability to understand that he is my father, that Adonai has a plan for me and that I need to rest in who he is, which meant that all my striving for the last 10 years accounted for nothing in the sense they were good works. I've had good works. I've seen God do miracles. I've seen him do wonderful things. But I felt challenged that he would be able to look to me and go, well, did I know you? Did I know you? Did I know your heart? And that realization that I can't run from my father. I, he knows my innermost thoughts. He knows my understanding. He knows everything that I've struggled with. Yet I can stand here and go, I can trust him with my heart. I can trust him with what I have because I know that there is no condemnation in my God the intimacy that he wants to walk out with us, I, I told my wife, she considered coming um, until I told her what I was going to talk on, and then she's like, I don't even know if I want to come. I was like, are you really going to tell him that? And I'm like, well, yeah, along those lines, I have to be honest. I can't lie. But I wanted to tell you, like, I had to relate this to realize that my marriage has never been better than it is right now, and it has never been better than it is right now because of this relationship that I understand with my father and go, oh. The intimacy that I have with him now transfers to the intimacy I have with my wife. Not the people go, oh, well, that's, you know, what you do, and it's how you act, and it's what you say. And I said, no, it's nothing to do with that, and it had everything to do with my heart, and how I respond, and how I understand the bigger picture. See, I could stand here today as a church and tell you, like, you know, we need to see souls saved, we need to, there's a list of a thousand things, but at the end of the day, none of it matters if we don't have a heart after God. 
Nothing matters if we don't understand the closeness that he wants in us, wants for us, and wants with us. The process that I've learned over the last few months to understand that if I do nothing, if I understand true rest in him, everything that I do flows straight to the throne room of God. My heart, I am righteous because of who Christ calls me, because of who Christ has imputed his righteousness into me. I simply do nothing and I am called righteous. I have no striving. I have no need to perform, no need to receive. I simply am. I belong to my Father. And in this process of learning that I belong to him, I had to realize that there's actually this idea of it's a struggle because there's a lot of dialogue going on in my head. To realize and understand that the dialogue in my head is not my own and mine alone. But the dialogue in my head has three sources that I talk to myself, my father speaks to me, and there's an accuser that would love to plot about my demise, that would love to cause turmoil within my life. And if we understood that this process, this spiritual warfare that goes on within us, the whole purpose is to take us away from the simplicity of faith that our Father has asked us to walk in, that He wants to walk with us, He wants to bless us, He wants to be there for us. And I found that my issue is I want to do it for Him, and I want to do more. And in my attempts to do more, I start stepping outside of simply being, and I start trying to achieve that I find myself walking out of his covering. In Psalms 91, we find that he's, we get to be within the shelter. And it comes right down to the end, where I'm going to read it in a, a different version. I don't know if you've heard of the complete Jewish Bible, but it's a fantastic resource. It's on um, the YouVersion app. But it talks a little bit more personal and intimate. Verse 14 says, Because he loves me, I will rescue him. Because he knows my name, I will protect him. He will call on me and I will answer. I will be with him when he is in trouble. I will extricate him and bring him honor. I will satisfy him with long life and show him salvation. It's God's personal promise to us. And I realized that often we get sidetracked because there's so much noise. I want to tell you that this noise that goes on in our heads, we have the authority to decide what we choose to do with it. Simply experiencing the thoughts does not mean that you have committed the thought. Simply experiencing the thought, whether it be good, bad, evil, does not mean you've done anything with it. What you do with it is what you choose to hold on to. When I get told that I am good, I am loved, and I hold on to, that is who I am. People will look at me, <laughs> my wife, people that know me and know that I fall short, go, you're a little bit cocky, Cam. And it's true. My, my cockiness comes from my confidence and my confidence in who I am. But today I get to stand here and say, this is who you are. We are children of God. We have no fear of the enemy. We spoke this morning uh, of sickness um, in, there's a whole bunch of early church writings, and in that, 
there's a lot of prophecies and they reference sickness. Uh, sickness being either brought on by accusations or demonic influence or just in general the wickedness of the generation which means that in all points sickness was never meant to be but sometimes sickness is and we declare against (laughs) what that sickness is and we fight against it we don't just accept that oh we are sick so therefore we then act out of it it's like no for a period of time our bodies are fighting this but our God says he will heal us Unfortunately, I've had to learn this process that when we talk about healing, we talk in a very linear process rather than in a fuller function. God does things in his time, but he does them. Uh, Perfect example that I can speak about perfectly is my daughter. She was ill. We prayed for her healing. I believe God said he was going to heal her at the point in which she went to heaven. She was healed. She's now whole. I don't have to fear. She is not in pain. She's no longer suffering. However, there are other people I've prayed for, and they've been healed in very right in front of me. But simply, I can't speak what I haven't heard my father say. So I've had to learn to listen and trust that little still small voice, the thoughts, and understanding what does it look like to follow him intimately. What does it look like for me to follow my God intimately through the journeys and through the conflict? Realizing that God himself is with me all times, through all things, and realizing that nothing else matters if I've got him, because I will be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but I shall not fear evil because it has no place in my life. I can walk and there can be things happening around me but it's at the table of my enemies that I feast. And that's not just a truth for you or just a truth for me, but as a truth for all who decide to follow in this intimacy that God has asked us into. He invites us into this process. We don't have this process where we just leave it where we came in. I asked you to move your seats because sometimes what we don't realize is that it's uncomfortable to be obedient. It's uncomfortable to be vulnerable but it's in the vulnerability and the obedience that God is there. It says, if you love me, you will follow my command. You will obey me. Obeying him sometimes is not comfortable. <laughs> Obeying him means that I have to leave the comfort of where I've been, and it's a battle because it's a journey. Intimacy didn't just begin and then it is there. Intimacy is something that you develop. I was talking to my wife about this process. We get married, and I'm thinking, this is awesome. Fireworks and everything's amazing. I go take her to movies, we go on dates, this is fantastic, and I've been doing these big chunks, I'd go and travel out to Gundawindi where she was at the time, I would spend so much time and effort in big chunks and go, man, look at what we've, like, that was an amazing experience. And then when we got married, well, that sort of dried up, because, well, she's right with me. And then there's a period of time where it's like that realisation that the intimacy with my wife has gone from the big events to closing the drawers, to putting my clothes in the dirty clothes basket. It's gone to the point of going, she's tired. How about I look after the boys? It's become the little mundane things that has actually increased the intimacy. It's the thankfulness that she's at home washing my clothes while I'm out at work. The intimacy becomes the boring, the mundane. 
the intimacy becomes the very things that we go, oh, yeah, I know that, I know that. I know God loves me. It's like, yeah, but, but do you? Like, I know God loves me, but I just, I'm going to do this because he forgives all things. <laughs> yeah, he does. But his heart for you goes beyond your current circumstance. It goes beyond the comfortableness of being able to go, well, it was just, it's so comfy. I get to sit there in my home and know that my wife has everything sorted and I can easily check out. I can check out of that intimacy. But then the goodness comes from not, from engaging. I was just thinking about trying to explain. I can talk about intimacy with someone who's right there with me, but if I don't explain to you how my father is with me, the same as my wife, then I would be leaving you on a garden path. My father is right here with us now. He speaks. He gives me visions and pictures, and he does the same for you. It is, not a, it is no condemnation to not understand what he is saying. It's taken me years to understand my wife, and by no means do I say I understand her now. This journey of realising that God is continually speaking, that we have an enemy that is trying to scramble those messages and to realise this is the journey that we are on as Christians. We've been invited to this life of love. We've been invited to entertain this relationship with him. And he is there for us at all times. We had this situation... We've had the sickness in our house. I got COVID in January and I think out of the weeks between then and now, I've probably been healthy for all of maybe four weeks at individual periods of times, but a cumulative task. We've had an amazing time with God and an absolutely terrible journey with our family sickness. It has been a battle, but we've learned to not get frustrated with a God who doesn't answer but to understand that this intimacy, these challenges that come against us actually force us closer because if we're going to be honest with what the Bible says, it means we're going to be vulnerable. We're going to allow him into our lives and to actually go, okay, I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to hand this to you rather than striving in my own ability. My son, who is six months old at the time, had RSV and croup and had been taken to the hospital and in this process, this had been now five or six weeks that we'd had this every night, having to steam him two or three times a night. And we're still doing life as per normal. No one really knows what's going on. And it got to the stage where I was like, Father, like my wife wants you to heal him. I want you to heal him, but I need you to answer me and I need it now. And I just stopped and I closed my eyes. And I realized that if my imagination is how God speaks to me, which is how God speaks to us. If you were to close your eyes and allow God to speak to you, the thoughts that run through your mind are originating from two sources, you or an accuser or three sources or the, or the father. And you understand that you can then start to actually go, I'm going to trust this, even though it feels a little bit weird, a little bit uncomfortable, because we've been taught for so long that we do what we can touch or we do what we can see, we do what's materialistic to us because that's our worldview. Yet we have a Father who is spiritual that is more real than the physical that we face. And so I imagine my son and I 
go through his body like an x-ray. Just, God, like, what is it? And I see this black spot in his lungs. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to rebuke that. And so, as silly as it may have felt at the time, because I didn't understand this intimacy that I developed, I was like, Lord, we rebuke this illness and we ask it to leave in Jesus' name. At this time, my son starts coughing and spluttering and I'm like, oh, he's choking again. And then he's quiet and I was like, oh. My wife comes back in and goes, I don't know what happened there. He just choked and spluttered and now he's all good. I was like, okay. And then I went back to praying. This is at probably 2.33 o'clock in the morning. And I look back at the body, it was completely gone. And at that realisation, I was like, you healed him. There and then. He woke up the next morning and the sickness was gone. But in that moment, I go, oh, all I need to do is be obedient in the little things. It wasn't a big thing. It was about the trusting that I'm following this journey, this pathway that was extremely uncomfortable (laughs) because it's not the norm. But I'm practicing to make this relationship with my father who is with us right now the normal because he is normal and he loves us. And it's this journey of understanding the realness of who he is to let go of the striving to become something that we are not but to realize this intimacy that he has for us and to realize that he wants to speak with us directly about our situations. Two weeks ago, we got to the stage where I had, uh, I've got seven or eight guys that are working for me and um, one of the guys came to me and said, i got another job, this is what's happening. I'm like, that's fantastic. Uh, a couple of days later, he came to me to tell me that I've lost my license, I can't get another job. I need to go full-time with you. I was like, okay, we'll go with that. So we organised all this extra work to put him on full-time and go through the journey. He then, uh, in a week's time, come and told me on the Thursday afternoon, he's like, I'm not working tomorrow and um, I'm going on holidays next week. I was like, that's literally the first week of your full-time. He's like, oh, I forgot, I organised the holiday. I was like, oh, like... This is out of my league. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I've now got an ample amount of work and I've got a lot of people that I'm going to upset because I can't complete what I need to do. In this process, I realised that everything I'm doing, I'm doing with my father. And so I went into my room and I was like, God, you need to, you need to help me here. This is your business. I'm taking my hands off this one completely. I've uh, got my hands all over it, but right about now when I'm crashing, this is yours. I need to know how I'm going to do this because there is no way. Like, what do I need to do? How do I humble myself for this moment? And as I've taken my hands off, I've gone, okay, God, like, I'm just, I'm closing my eyes. Like, what do I see? Like, who am I, who, who do I talk to? What do I do? And I saw one by one, each person that I deal with come to me smiling, this person was smiling, another person was not smiling, I was like, oh, and so I was like, oh, what am I going to do? He's like, go with the smiles, I was like, righto, so I rang them up and said, look, I'm really sorry, this is me coming to you, I said, I've got a situation, I can't, I can't meet any of our commitments next week, they looked at me and they were like, fair enough, we'll see what we can do, thank you, and with that, instead of the fights that go on, like, there's a lot of wrestling particularly in the business realm, but that's just because we're taking ground. There's a lot of wrestling, and the wrestling just disappeared. There was no wrestling. 
in that week, there was a place. It was made away. We finished that week and we got to the end of it. I was like, I have no idea how this happened. God literally made a way where every situation had to be turned and every turn that he made, made it better. That we come out the other side more blessed. We come out the other side with more honour. And all it required was a humility to go, okay, as we offer ourselves as living sacrifices, I'm up on this altar and I'm giving everything. I'm not holding on to something, I'm giving everything in my life. And I think this morning that I want to wrap it up in that statement that God is asking us not to do something that we can't do, but it is definitely something that is uncomfortable, and that is to give everything of who we are to climb up on the altar as the living sacrifice and know that he has us. He won't let you down. He won't fail you. He's got you. He's got every, every element. It doesn't matter whether you're dealing with a bunch of, per se, heathens. It doesn't matter who you're dealing with because it's your father who loves you, that is there walking beside you. It doesn't matter the challenges you're facing. And this might seem offensive, but God knows and he will walk you through it so that you come out victorious. Sometimes we look at situations and we go, but it wasn't the answer I wanted. And it's like, well, that's because it's not what God wanted. God wanted what's best for you. And he has what's best for you. Sometimes it takes a long time because it's not ideal. A lot of times we get tied up with the fact that we're listening to an enemy's voice that brings about this condemnation. The part that helped me understand this realisation of how my relationship with my father, who does not condemn me, but he definitely convicts me, is that realisation that in every relationship I have, particularly with my wife, I will do things that fall short. I can apologise and I can humble myself, but that doesn't mean that she's going to be able to forgive me with God's heart straight up. But what it does mean is that I understand what is going on. And if she's upset... She's allowed to be upset because that doesn't affect how I respond. That instead of me responding to my wife with the words that is coming from her mouth, but it's not, I know the origin. You know, you'll know the origin. You've got the Holy Spirit within you. The Holy Spirit will convict you. It will tell you where it's coming from. You know if God's talking and you know if it's not God talking. And generally, we forget that it's not the person, but it's the spirit behind it that we need to address. We look at it and go, this person's coming at me. I'm ready for a fight. Rather than going, this person's coming at me. The spirit behind this needs to be told where to go. And I simply step back under my father's wings. And I declare, the Lord rebuke you. I don't have to do it. I simply just get to walk in this goodness that God has provided for me. That I know my feet should not stumble as I walk in my intimacy with my God. And I believe that this morning... What God wants to do is open our hearts to stretching us. I got you to move because sometimes we get in this pattern of life where we're doing all these things, these acts for God. And like a pot plant that's been sat in the ground, the roots get out of the pot and go into the ground. And we realize that instead of being fully sustained by the gardener, we found a way to get roots into the ground around us and that we're actually finding our sustenance not from the gardener but from where the places that we are in, from the actions that we're doing and what we're able to achieve.
I believe that God today wanted me to just address that as a group to say he's moving us and he's reminding us that he's our gardener. He has us and he has a plan for us as a group, but us individually. And as we walk in this intimacy that he has for us, we will learn and develop and grow. And that anointing that he has for us that will far exceed every expectation that we have of what revival could look like is on the cusp of where we are right now. Can I pray for you guys briefly? Father, we just thank you right now for live stream, the community that we are. And Father, I just thank you that you are a wonderful God, a loving, kind, merciful God who is with us. Adonai, I just thank you right now that there is no condemnation. I thank you that you call us righteous, that we are being told, we are being brought to a place of surrender that we would let go of the things that we can do within our own ability and we would start to walk in these amazing miracles that you have for us, that we would learn to love, that we would learn to forgive and know that there is no condemnation in this whole process. We have a defeated enemy that comes against us, but we simply stand and it shall flee because you are our victor. You are our strength and you are the one that we land within. Father, we just thank you now. In Jesus' name, amen.